You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Matthew 28. You know, I was thinking about this. Well... Um, you know my favorite way to eat eggs is um, in a cake. It's my favorite way to eat eggs is, is in a cake. Um, you know my favorite place to worship the Lord, honestly, is in church. I really, and I, I worship God every day of my life. I try to, and I, I have a great time. Um, with the Lord in my devotions and in my walking when I get out and walk and so forth. I have a great time, and I really am able to have some wonderful times with God. But honestly, my favorite place to worship the Lord is here at church with God's people. This does something for my heart. It's very encouraging, and I, I hope you're able to worship Him along, uh, along with me as we go through this today. If you had given your life hoping somebody would understand why you were giving your life. And you put it in a book. And you got down to the last verses of that book. Wouldn't you want that to get into the heart of everybody? Those last set of verses, my last words that I would say to you right before I die, or my last, I'll put it this way, my closing days. Wouldn't you want everybody to really get that? So can I just say to you, I... I not trying to be humble or anything. I just, I know the kind of preacher I am. I'm not the greatest preacher in the whole wide world. Uh, and I may not hold everybody's attention, the greatest like so-and-so might. But can I just ask you to please listen as attentively as you can this morning? Because I want to try to represent what I think Jesus was trying to say to his people in these, I'll just call them his closing comments. If you came here in your mind somewhere else, would you bring it back? Would you just do everything you can to listen to what Jesus is trying to get us to understand here in at least the last portion of this book that he has written to us? So, let's begin, if you will, in verse 16. Lots of people will just start in 18, but I want to start in verse 16 this morning. Um, The Bible tells us, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain, where Jesus had appointed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, knowing that, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Can we all say amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this book that I've had the great privilege of uh, walking through and preaching through this with our congregation. And Father, as I finish this up today, I really need your help. I pray that you would work through your Holy Spirit. Would you talk to hearts and lives? And whether or not my voice and my actions represent it well, please let 
the Holy Spirit. Go into the heart and soul and speak to us about what you're saying. And I would thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know how many things take place on mountains? Here they are up in, you know, in a mountain there. They've gone to Galilee and up in a mountain. I re- and I know many of you folks that have f- been here at Eastside for a long time, familiar with this story already, but I'm going to tell it again. If we just get one visitor, I'm going to tell my, st- my mountain story. Uh, so my friend and I, my friend Mike Gray, decides when we turn 60 years old that he wants to start climbing mountains. And so he invited me. He said, uh, he said Philip, let's go climb uh, let's see, Mount Rogers in, I think it's in Virginia. It's supposed to be the highest peak in, uh, in Virginia. And I'm like, Mike, we're 60. He's like, yeah, let's do it. We can do it. I watched the videos. I'm like, okay. So like, we're supposed to go in August. And like January, I got started. I tried walking and I tried to get in shape. And I, I climbed hills and I, I, I went out here to the ski place out here, Great Bear, and climbed that hill up and down, up and down, up and down, and up and down. And I did everything I could to build some air and, and, and get my legs under me, they say. And so we took off. We got out to Virginia, um, a little town, I'm trying to remember the name of that little town we got started in. We got there at, uh, in the evening, the sun was going down, and we're going to get started hiking at nighttime. And I've never done this before, and there were signs up, and even the, the police officer that drove us to our site we weren't in trouble this time. He just was willing to take us where we were going. And he dropped us off. And he said there, is a, there was a sighting over there that had a, a, a bear chase some guys out of their campsite. And he says, just stay away from that area. <laughs> so the sun was going down, seriously. Sun's going down. And, and so we pulled our little lamps on. And you can you know, snap these little lights. And lights to the light out in front of you. And you can see every bit of two inches in front of you. It's, it's a great way to hike. And we took off hiking. We went for about, oh, I'd, I'd say we climbed up the mountain for about a mile. And we, we had these hammocks. Um, they're called Hennessy hammocks. You tie a rope to this tree, you tie a rope to that tree, and you've got a hammock in between here. They're supposed to be specialty hammocks, and they're supposed to be the most comfortable things in the world. Um, and uh, so we, we finally found a couple of trees that fit, and we, we get into these hammocks, and this, this is, I'm not exaggerating because you think I exaggerate a lot, but I turned my headlamp on at the, where the ground was where we were going to hang these hammocks. I'd laid my backpack down here. There were forest spiders like this, and I, I'm not exaggerating, running all over the ground, and I'm like, Mike, we can't stay here. We are not <laughs> staying at this campground. But it, long story short, tied my rope to this tree and my rope to this tree, and seriously, I've sprayed bug spray all around the tree, all around the ropes, and then I slipped into the, the little cocoon. I thought felt like I was safe. And so you get in these cocoons and or these hammocks, and you can zip them closed. It's like a mosquito net, and. Um, and in my glasses, you can't sleep with glasses on. You roll over and smash them in your face. So I found this little slot up here and uh, put my glasses in there. And honestly, you're just all curled up. And, I, and I've said to Mike, I said, he's over there at some tree over there. I said, Mike, I said, we look like two supersized burritos hanging in midair for the, for the bears. All they got to do is come up and start eating. He says, use your pepper spray. I said, that's just the spice for him. He'll love that. 
So it was about one or two in the morning, and, and, uh, and I had dozed off. I had gotten, gotten a little bit of sleep, and, uh, and about one or two in the morning, I could literally hear a bear grunting, pawing, digging around down the campground just a little bit of ways uh, away from us. You could hear him grunting and snorting. Raccoons don't sound like that, guys. Possums, spiders do not sound like that. This was a bear. And I'm holding my can of spray. Seriously, I am just like... So we made it through the night, got up, ate a couple of health bars, whatever you call those things, took off walking, got to the next campsite, and uh, uh, it's evening now, I am wore out, we've climbed mountains, gone up and down, we have hiked forever, and uh, we've gone at least three quarters of a mile, (laughs) it was several miles, and we camped out again that night, same thing, find a tree, two trees, clear away the spiders, spray everything, and we're wiped out. We literally are wiped out. We'd ate what we could cook on the, at the campsite, and same thing, about one in the morning, and I'm thinking we're closer now to that bear site than we were the night before because we're walking into this area, and, and I finally get to sleep, and literally about two in the morning, my friend Mike Gray, who's over here, I am uh, woke up to his screaming, and his words are, it's killing me! I can't stand this! Oh! He's screaming, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Now, you try to find your glasses tucked in some little pouch up here. Try to get this unzipped. Find your can of spray, and you're trying to do this in one swift moment, because, and I'm screaming at Mike. He brought a little gun. I said, Mike, shoot it! I'm screaming at him, shoot it! He's like, kid, it's killing me! And I go, I finally get my whatever, unzipped, I fall out on the ground, I jump up, and here's Mike Gray standing there holding his back, and he's saying, I got these cramps and it's killing me. I said, I'm going to kill you. These these cramps are going up and down my legs, it's just killing me, and so we learned, let me just tell you, there's things you learn on a mountain you will never learn anywhere else, I promise you. That's the truth. Eat bananas, provides potassium. I guess potassium helps you not have cramps. Drink plenty of water, and uh, don't go hiking with Mike Gray where there are bears in the mountains. I mean, I learned a lot on the mountains. I really have. We went to Mount Katahdin up in the mountains. Another long story. I won't go into that one. But truly, I, I really truly did learn lessons on a mountain that I've never learned anywhere else, and I I grew tighter with my friends, truly. Uh, the four of us got to go to Mount Katahdin and OJ, uh, pastors in Michigan, Lawrence in Virginia, Mike in Ohio, and me here in South Dakota. We grew closer and tighter together on those mountain trips than we have ever before. It's really pretty awesome, in spite of the spiders and the bears in my aching body. It was, it was wonderful. So on the mountain in our Bibles here, Verse 16 says these 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And there were lessons learned there that they would have never learned, I promise you, at any other place in their life. They learned things on this mountain that needed to be heard for the rest of their life and for the rest of my and your life. And God gives them to us right here this morning. We call what we've read here this morning, most of us would call it, the great 
commission. But what is so heartbreaking to me is that it has, it has more than the great commission has become the great omission. We just have kind of left it out. We have church. We hold church services. And we come and we sing our songs and, we, and preach messages and go out. We shake hands and we get in the car and go and eat our, our lunch. And it seems to be the extent of our Christianity. And I hope I'm wrong. And, and I hope it's really different with you. I Really, I do. I, I hope your life is filled with tremendous experiences of being able to share the Lord with individuals. And maybe people have come to know Christ as Savior. I hope that's been the case with you. But I have an idea that most of us never open our mouth and share one word about Jesus Christ and what he has done for you, sadly. I want to talk about this mission. On that mountain, they learn things, again, that they would need the rest of their life and the rest of our lives. So what is that mission all about? So if I can just mention to you, number one this morning, the mission of the church was given to common man. And I just have to say, praise the Lord uh, can you read with me again? L look, I want you to see this. Look in verse 16 again. Uh, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. By the way, and this is not part of my message, but I'm going to make it part of my message. They went where Jesus had appointed them. I'm going to tell you guys, if you get to the place where Jesus appoints you to go and you can't believe what it's like to meet Jesus. The reason most of us don't meet Jesus many, on a regular basis is we don't go to his appointed place that he wants us to be but they went to that appointed place and listen to verse 17 very encouraging and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted can you believe that here's the son of god and some were bowing down and worshiping him and yet there was another group of them uh, that were doubting him they still were not convinced in their heart that are you really the risen savior are you really that Messiah? Does a king really come on earth and then die a king of heaven? Why would he die? On and on the thoughts would continue to go. You see, Galilee was a very special place for Jesus and his disciples. Many of his miracles were performed there. Many of his lessons that he taught his disciples were taught down there in Galilee. And not only that, Galilee was a much friendlier territory for Jesus to be able to give his last great command to his uh, to his disciples without, without all that uproar going on down in Jerusalem over where did the body of Jesus go? And all the uproar and everything taking place back in Jerusalem, they've gone down to Galilee where things have settled down just a little bit where they can learn some lessons. So they went into a pre-appointed mountain where they were to meet Jesus. You know, I, I gave you my mountain experience, but do you realize how many things really happened on the mountain? in the Bible. Um, for instance, Mount Ararat is where the ark landed after the flood. And apparently Mount Ararat is now in Kentucky. Has anybody been out there to, uh, to see the ark out there in Kentucky? I guess it's a tremendous sight. It did not land in Kentucky. I'm just saying that. Mount Ararat is where um, the ark landed. Mount Sinai is where the Ten Commandments were given. Mount Carmel is where Elijah called fire down from heaven. Remember that story? Came down and devoured his sacrifice and the water and all that. Uh, Mount Hermon is most likely the, the mount where Christ was transfigured before his disciples. And, and then there was the Mount of Olives. And not too many weeks ago, we read that place where Christ prayed before he went to his crucifixion. But this mount where the disciples met Jesus is the mount where Christ gives his great 
commission to his disciples. And guys, it is. It's a great commission that he gives to them. These disciples were made up of men who were committed to worshiping Christ and also men who just hadn't quite been convinced yet that Christ had really been raised from the dead. All those people were gathered around him. And can you imagine Jesus giving the great commission to some people who sat in his congregation and really doubted his message, wondered, are you really the Christ or not? Is this thing really real or not? You ever sat in church and have that run through your heart and mind? You know, you come to church all your life and it's been a part of who you are. And have you ever just sat there and all of a sudden this thought runs through your mind? Is this even real? What if I, uh, what if I got to a place where I died and went out just, we just went out into space? And there really was no heaven, no real hell and on and on. Is thoughts ever like that ever run through your mind? I think with a lot of folks, just a fleeting thought maybe it comes and then you you know, the thought runs back out and you realize how true Christ really is. Here are these common men, uh, just, uh, just like those guys we just read about, are what God has, listen, God has chosen to work with people like that. I want to say amen to that, that God is not looking for perfection. He is the only perfect one. And the perfection comes when Christ comes in to wash my sin away and I'm made complete and perfect in Him. But I live a very practical life on this earth. I still make mistakes and and I'm not the kind of man I ought to be every moment of my life. I make mistakes even as a pastor and as a husband and as a daddy. I made a lot of mistakes as a man of God. I sure did. But I want to say praise God. God was willing to use somebody like me And I could go on and tell you things I'm too ashamed to tell you that even in my Christian life have been a part of who I am and God still looked down and chose somebody like me and somebody like you. And I will tell you this, it doesn't matter, friend, who you are. If you have Christ Jesus living in your heart, God wants to use you. God chose to use common man. Thank God He's willing to work with those of us who struggle from time to time in ministry. He's willing and wants to do so. By the way, that's all he's got to work with. You find that perfect man or that perfect church, you've heard the story, don't walk into a perfect church because it won't be perfect anymore. We're just common, sinful, forgiven, praise the Lord. We say number two this morning, the mission of the church is grounded in the authority of Jesus Christ. You still awake with me this morning? The mission of the church is grounded in the authority of Jesus Christ. Down into verse 18, look at it. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Heaven and earth. You take the word power, and the word power means authority. It's not the word dunamis. That means strength and power. This word uh, power means authority. And Christ is saying, I have the authority. All of it in heaven and all of it in earth. And if there's any authority whatsoever at any place in this universe, it comes from Jesus Christ because he has all authority. First, for Jesus to claim all authority in heaven and earth is then to claim that he is equal to the Father. If he has all authority up in heaven right now, and he does, then that's equal to his heavenly Father. Do you understand that? If he has all authority here on this earth, then he's equal to the Father in heaven because the Father has all authority. 
And Jesus Christ is equal to the Heavenly Father. I was visiting with a family. I'd gone door knocking a couple weeks ago and was visiting with a woman and come to find out she happened to be a Muslim. And I said, do you believe in Jesus Christ? She says, yes, I do. I said, do you believe he was a good man? Yes, I do. You think he was a good prophet? Yes, he was. Do you believe he was the son of God? No, not the son of God. I want to tell you something today. He is the son of God and he has all authority equal to his father. He does. Jesus is also stating that he has authority. If he has all that power, if he has all that authority, then here's what else he's telling us, Eastside. He's telling us that he also has the authority to send the Holy Ghost into churches like this here today to bring conviction to the heart of every person here. For instance, if you're sitting here, and I, I remember being the nine-year-old boy that sat right about over here where Juan was in a revival service and how that old preacher got up there and was preaching the gospel and how uh, I sat and listened and I looked around at all the people and thought, yeah, all these people in church need to get saved like that preacher is saying. Until that night, the Holy Spirit put his finger in my heart and showed me that I was the sinner and I was the one that needed to get saved that day. God has the authority to send the Holy Ghost into churches like this and bring conviction to the heart and soul of men and women like you and me here this morning. He has the authority and the power to be able to do that today. And then he has the authority to give eternal life to those who would then place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. For instance, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you might know about him. And you may have Christ living up here in your mind and be able to give me all the facts and details. But I'm saying here this morning, if you've never been saved and invited Christ to be a part of your life, then friend, you understand you're without Christ. And if you died today, you'd spend eternity in the devil's hell. It's real. It's not make-believe. The Bible is the Word of God, and it's real. But if you come to realize that, like a little nine-year-old boy did many years ago, and you understood, I am the sinner before God, and Jesus Christ says He would save me if I would call upon Him. Do you understand today? Jesus has the authority to come and bring eternal life to you. And you could live forever in heaven after that, with Christ, forever. It's amazing. He has the authority to enable His children to have spiritual gifts, to be able to carry on the great work of God that has been left to them. If you've not been coming to Sunday school, you need to be coming to Sunday school. I'm telling you, we're going through a series in uh, the adult Sunday school class on spiritual gifts. And every one of us have been given a spiritual gift whereby we're able to serve the Lord and do some great things for Christ. You need to be able to know what your spiritual gift is and how to implement that and use it in the ministry or in service for God. But God has, Jesus has the authority to empower each one of us with a special, we can call it a spiritual gift. Not only that, he has the authority to raise our dead bodies and unite them with our soul in heaven. Lie? Is that lie back there? Is that bow and lie? Monday, this past Monday, um, I got a phone call last Sunday night here at church, and, and it, it was Tuan. Is Tuan here? Tuan was saying, Pastor, uh, lie um, has been to our church several times, and really good to see you guys here. Um, and his, um, had gone to California 
and had found his mother who had died many years ago and spent, he said, I'll spend the time, the effort, the money, whatever it takes to find my mother and found her. Uh, she was in an urn and had brought her back to South Dakota and uh, wanted to place her and give her a proper burial and wanted to know if I would be willing last Monday to do a service for her with them. I said, absolutely. And I just want to tell you that when I watched the funeral director place that urn in its spot, it had a special name for that. I can't remember what that little square place was called. But it was a blessing to be able to read the Word of God and to tell them what Jesus says, that one day this body's going to come out of this place. And God has the authority and the power. When, when, when He comes back from heaven to call Matt Spencer and Marie Spencer and my loved ones, God's going to call them to come up out of the grave. Who has the power and the authority to call dead bodies out of the ground and they obey and they come up and unite with our soul in heaven? Who does that? His name is Jesus. He has the authority and the power to be able to do that. He has the authority now to reign as the King of kings and the Lord of lords in heaven. And guys, do you know and understand here this morning that means He also has absolute authority over your life today? Are we all saved and on our way to heaven this morning? Can anybody just raise a hand and say, Amen, I'm saved on my way to heaven. Do you know what that means, friend? That means Jesus Christ has authority over you today. He has authority over your life. He has authority over what your future is supposed to look like and what your next step is supposed to be. He has all power in heaven and in earth. So I need to be willing to bow down to him. One day, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess to him that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the mission of the church is grounded in the authority of Jesus. Let me tell you thirdly this morning what I find in this passage. One of those lessons learned up on top of that mountain that those disciples gathered and drew into their heart was the mission of the church is focused on making disciples. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Look with me in verse 19 again, if you will. Look in verse 19. You know what? Can we read verse 19 out loud together? Everybody got your Bibles? Verse 19, the Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I'll read the first part of verse 20 where the Bible says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. The mission of the church is focused on making disciples. You know what the word scope means? Uh, Notice the scope or the extent of the mission. When my dad would, uh, the night before we'd all go to bed, my dad would come to me if it was summertime and he said, Bub, I need to, I need to tell you what you need to do tomorrow. And I knew what was coming. It either had something to do with a lawnmower or a rotary tiller or a hoe. I just knew it. And my dad would come to me and said, Bub, I need to give you some instructions. He said, you know, and here's how he would say it. On the back half of the property are those five rows of corn. I'm like, yeah, five rows. Yeah. Guys, you just have to see our property. It just went from here to probably Iowa. That's what it seemed like. And it was long. It was a really long garden. I I knew I had to get a passport to finish it up, to be able to finish the back half. So when he said, you know those four or five rows on the back half of the property? Yeah. 
I want you to hoe all them. And he said, now, Bob, when you're done, I said, I want you to find any of the suckers along the side at the bottom. They had another little, look like another um, stalk of corn trying to grow on the bottom side of the corn. He said, he says, those are suckers, and they'll just drain the juice right out of that stalk of corn, pull all those suckers off. And he said, you're not done until you hoe all the, that four or five rows of corn, whatever it was, pull all them suckers off. And I knew. He showed me the extent and the scope of my job the next day. And I knew exactly what needed to get done. That was how far I was to go. Rows one, two, three, four, and five. Well, what's the scope for the Christian? This is not your daddy coming to you saying, I need you to work in the garden. This is the Heavenly Father. This is Jesus Christ with all authority saying to you and me, here's how far I want you to go. I I need you to go to all the world. That's the scope. That's the distance. That's how much you're supposed to be doing. That's the job that needs to get done. And somebody says, the world? Give me five rows of corn. I can handle that. The whole world. How are we supposed to do that? Understand, it's to all nations. Every nation on the face of the earth. Let's just take it very personal this morning, guys. Do you understand, Eastside Baptist Church, God just said to Eastside Baptist Church, One of your jobs under my authority is to go around the world with my message and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And do you understand? That's our mission. Somebody says, why do we have a a missions conference, preacher? You try to get us to give to the building program, give our tithes and offerings, and then you also want to have a missions conference every year? Yes, that's why we're here. Our goal is to get this gospel around the world. That's the scope of what God is trying to talk to us about. We get the word nations, that comes right out of that verse right there, from the word ethnos. And what does that sound like, ethnos? Doesn't that kind of sound like the word ethnic? So we're supposed to reach all ethnicities that are in the world. We're supposed to go to every tribe in the world. We're supposed to go to every race in the world. We're supposed to go to every people group in the whole world. And take the gospel to them. That's under the authority of Jesus Christ telling us, here's your mission, Eastside Baptist Church. Do you understand? Brother Ruckman's got a brochure he's going to be printing and handing around to all the folks, as many as he can get to, uh, by the way, this next week. Um, And telling them about Sioux Falls having 140 languages just in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Do you understand that? You want to know what most Christians have to say? Please listen to this. You want to know what most Christians have to say about all these different nationalities in our, in our town and, and when they're in front of you driving, you want to know what most Christians have to say? Hey, where'd you learn to drive? Or you need to learn how to drive. And I've been behind them and I've been trying to pass them and they don't understand all the rules yet and things like that and, and so forth. And, and I, I get what people are saying, but come on. Uh, or you'll hear them say things like, speak English or you dress funny or your name is weird, or any number of comments that some people have to say about all these ethnicities here in our own town. But can I just say to you, do you know what God has to say about all the different languages right here in our city? I know I told you to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but I've brought the world to you. Think about that. God's brought 140 different languages here into our city. And yes, 
I know all the guidelines and regulations that they need to follow. I understand that. But do you understand the great commission that overrides every one of those guidelines and structures? You and I have a responsibility to get to those people. Somehow, some way. Tuan, do you, you, you speak Laotian? You speak that language? Man, let's reach the Laotians in, in any other uh, language that we speak in here today. Reach your people. We've got to get to the nations and the ethnicities and the people of the world. The Father gave His Son for this. Notice the business of the mission is to teach all nations. That's the wording. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And the word teach there is not like, all right, students, take your, take your class books. Let me teach you the lesson today. That's not what the word teach means there. The word teach means to evangelize. It means to disciple. It means to show them the word of God and the gospel and show them that they're lost and on their way to hell. But there's a Savior who died for you and if you place your faith in that Savior, He could save you and He can give you eternal life. And now that you're saved and you've been scripturally baptized, now you need to learn how to go and do what I just did to you. You need to know how to take your Bible, you who just got saved. One day you need to know how to take the Word of God and go to your friends and your neighbors and tell them about a Savior that did so much for you and how you can now be saved. And then teach them how to take their Bibles and go unto their friends and make your way around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the effort, that's the labor, that's the mission, that's the business that God has given to His Christian. Once a person's been saved, we're supposed to baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. What is baptism? Baptism is a picture of what Jesus Christ did for us in His death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. It is also a picture of the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. Can you say that with me? The finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. Guys, does Jesus Christ have to do anything else so that I get, can be saved? Obvious answer, no. So is his work finished? Yes. So when I get saved, I've got everything I ever need to be on my way to heaven. Can we all just say, yes, it's the gift of Jesus Christ. So if my baptism is a picture of anything else other than the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary, then you need to have scriptural baptism. And he comes along and tells them to, to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, representing what I've done for you. There's a lot that can be said about that and needs to be, but I want to... I want to wrap this up. Lastly, the mission was given, uh, the mission given to the church, praise God, is empowered by Jesus Christ. That mission of the church is now empowered by the presence of Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse 20 again. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, Notice this phrase, please listen, and lo, I am with you all way, even unto the end of the world. Amen. One night my dad said to me, uh, in Ohio, what time did the news come on in Ohio time? I think it was 11 o'clock. And we were up late one night because we knew it was supposed to get cold that night. 
And we'd already planted our garden, and Dad had like 50 or 75, maybe 2,000 tomato plants planted. He planted many tomato plants. And they said that night, frost warning, if you have any plants, bring them inside or cover them up. And my dad jumped up. He said, bub, he said, I got to get my clothes on, my work clothes on. You're already in yours. And I was eight years old or so. He says, you get out in that garden and get started. And I knew what he meant, get started. Because it meant get the, get the newspapers. We would take one sheet of newspaper, pull it up like a tent in the middle, and then the four corners, put a dirt clot on each corner with the plant inside. And now it's covered in its own little tent. And he says, you get out there and get started, and I'll join you as soon as I can get there. I, I took a stack of newspapers out there. It was dark, 11 o'clock. And I'm out there working, and at the end of that long garden is a set of woods. And we lived in those woods, basically, as boys. And while I'm there working, I'm making these little tents. I'm about three plants into it, and I look up, and I am very sure there's a bear coming through the corn. And I'm scared, and I'm petrified. And then I keep another little tent, and I'm looking, where's my dad? And I made about five or six, and there's, now there's three bears. Finally, I look up, and here comes my dad. Oh, I love my dad. And dad got up next to me. He says, Bub, how you doing? I said, I'm okay. You know what? And I, and I stand there beside my dad and I looked up and all those bears were gone. They weren't even there. It felt so good. Because when my dad showed up, I had all the strength and the energy in the world. You understand with Jesus Christ by our side, we can do anything he wants us to do. How are you going to get around the entire world? I don't know. But with him beside me, I, I can do it. How are you going to do it with all these things coming at you all the time, the bears and, the, and things that are so scary in life? I don't know, but if he's walking beside me, I'm going to be okay. The mission is empowered by the presence of Jesus Christ. How are you going to witness to your brother or sister how are you going to tell the guy you work with about Jesus and, and you're, you're scared to even try to bring the subject up? I, I, I don't know, but I can tell you this with Jesus by your side, you can do it. Or you have to rip this page out and throw it away. It's not real if he doesn't empower me. If my, his presence doesn't change things about this mission. Why do you think he said that? I'm with you always to the end of the world. Why do you think he said that? Because he can't do it without him. It's for sure. Once my dad got out to the garden, he stayed with me all the way till we were done. That was so good. And on that last tomato, he poked me on the shoulder and he said, okay, bub, let's, let's go on back to the house. On the last day, when the last soul gets saved, if you can let me use human terms, it's like Jesus is going to poke us on the side and say, okay now, son, let's just go on home. Because I've been with you all the way. I want to close with this. In the 1940s, the United States Lines, that was an American transatlantic shipping company, they proposed uh, to build a new ship that it would call the SS United States. That was the name of the big new ship. At a cost of nearly $80 million, and back in the 40s, guys, whoa, that was a lot of money. Uh, at a cost of nearly $80 million, it was going to be the largest ship created in America and the fastest ship in the world. So the U.S. government invested $50 million into this building, uh, into building this new ship. It was, um, 
It was the United States' plan, don't miss this, their plan was to use this ship as a troop carrier that could carry upwards of 10,000 soldiers into the battle in case of some war that might break out. It could also have been converted to a hospital ship. In 1952, the SS United States finally set sail. But guys, it never set sail as a troop carrier. It did set sail with plans of breaking records on transatlantic travel that stands even to, uh, to this day, those records do. But it was never used as a troop carrier. It made history instead as a luxury liner that carried or catered to wealthy patrons. It had its last customer in 1969. And since 1996, the SS United States has been docked at Pier 82 on the Delaware River, where it's still a popular tourist attraction. Has anybody ever seen it or heard of it? Just curious. It has changed hands several times, and now no one really knows what to do with the aging SS United States. So Eastside Baptist Church, the SS United States is a simple reminder to us that the church is a troop carrier, not a luxury liner. The church is a war vessel, not a tourist attraction. The church is a hospital for hurting saints and not a hall for social entertainment. We are on a mission for the Lord Jesus Christ, and the last command of Jesus must remain the first priority of our church and I hope and pray if you'll stop and consider what we have just been given from God's word here this morning to understand that mission was given to us we say well all the other churches and every other Christian as well no I get that but they're not here that mission was given to us my question is what are we going to do about it What are we going to do in this part of our world, right here in Sioux Falls? What are we going to do on Thursday nights when we go out as a church and try to reach out, try to bring folks into the house of God to hear the gospel, or different ones try to share the gospel with with different ones? What what, what are we going to do about that? By the way, Thursday night, uh, we were able to go out and visited with uh, Jesse Peltier. Wave at us there, Jesse. He had put on his visitor card last Sunday that he was interested in being a member and finding out about salvation. And last Thursday night, this past Thursday night, we went to his house and he found out about salvation and trusted Christ as his Savior. It's a blessing. Praise the Lord. There's one. What are you going to do with your family, your friends, your fellow workers? But we have a mission we must carry out. God speaks to your heart here this morning. I'm, I'm trust and pray that you'll, I'm asking God to put our town on your heart, your loved ones on your heart, friends on your heart, but then those people around the world that need to hear about Jesus. God, burden our hearts as a church with the message that you left us on a mountain to carry to a world. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. If you would, our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.